Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bare Necessities podcast. Unfortunately, in this episode, we do not have the highest of quality audio, and we would like to apologize for that. Unfortunately, I ended up dropping and breaking my microphone, and then I also lost the cord. So, uh, unfortunately, we're probably going to have to retire the previous microphone, and I'm going to have to get a new one, which will hopefully be done by the time the next podcast airs. But in the meantime, I'm going to be uh, recording on this microphone. Unfortunately, the episode that I recorded on last uh, did not have the highest mic quality, and I apologize for that. Um, but for the time being, I'm going to be using my MacBook's microphone. Uh, but as far as this week's episode, we're going to be going over the news of the past couple of days, as always. And then we're going to be getting into whether or not Chuck Pagano's scheme is a good fit for the Chicago Bears and how that transition has been going so far. Then we're also going to get into expectations for Chuck Pagano and kind of going into that. For the rest of the show, then, we're going to be doing our annual Power Ranking the Bears episode, go through all of the teams in the NFL, and discuss whether or not the Chicago Bears are a better team and if they should beat them in a perfect world. But before we get into the show, of course, I want to, again, apologize for the poor mic quality. We really pride ourselves on having some of the best quality audio content available and unfortunately um, because of all the instances that happened uh, we are not able to provide what we consider our standard to be but before we get into the show we want to remind you guys to go ahead and check out our youtube channel it has the same name as our podcast and you can get the link in our description and then also uh, if you can and if you like our content it would help us tremendously if you would leave us a rating and review in the bottom of apple podcast you know the, just clicking on the stars is great for us but also Uh, Leaving a written review actually helps us uh, significantly more. Um, So, yes, we would really appreciate if you could do that for us. Thank you so much for joining us once again. And we're hoping that we will have the microphone situation figured out uh, within the next episode or the episode after that. So thank you guys so much and enjoy the rest of the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bear Necessities podcast. This week's episode, we have horrible mic quality um, from... Both of us this week, or at, at least me. I don't know how this is going to go because I'm recording on my AirPods. Unfortunately, my microphone that uh, I've been using for, you know, the past year, it's been a it's been a sturdy microphone. It's kind of given out on me. I think part of that is because I dropped it onto a wood floor and it completely broke open. Um, so it's a, it, it's led to a lot of editing errors. But while uh, for the time being, I do not have a mic, but I'm looking to upgrade pretty shortly or at least fix the one that I currently have. Uh, Reese, how are you doing this week? Pretty good, you know, just uh, getting ready for the start of a new week. You know, everything's pretty much the same as far as mic quality on my end, you know, so you can expect to hear my uh, voice shining through like usual and uh, giving everyone what they want to hear. So excited to talk about the Bears and it actually feels like a minute since we've recorded, even though this is basically all on schedule. It's just, uh, I know it's been interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, we hit our longer uh, gap period because we do have a four-day gap in between. We have a three-day gap and we have a four-day gap. And this was our four-day gap. Now we're recording on Monday. This episode's actually going to come out a little bit later. So we apologize uh, to you guys for that. But ultimately, we there was just a lot of complications, I feel like. Um, we had a little bit of a COVID scare in the family where uh, someone in, the, in my family was in really close contact consistently with someone who you know, almost, who did contract COVID and was even with that person uh, while they had COVID. Luckily, we got the test back. Everything's negative. 
And, uh, but I have to say it was a, it was a very scary couple of days. You kind of have to, when you, when you are in that situation, you kind of are like really questioning, thinking back to, you know, who you saw, who you could have potentially put in danger. You know, if you are a socially responsible individual, at least you will care about that. Um, but yeah, I just kind of quarantined for a couple of days, got the test result back. Everything was negative. So we're, we're, we're blessed and we're happy for that. Yeah, of course, that's uh, good news that everyone is uh, healthy on that front. You know, it's kind of the, the main thing these days is to uh, stay healthy and, and try to uh, keep everyone around you healthy and do the best for, for your kind of surrounding community. So definitely glad to hear that that was all sorted out. Absolutely, absolutely. But let's get out of the depressing news. There's enough, there's enough of that on you know, CNN, Fox News all the time. There's just a lot of depressing news. Let's talk about, you know, well, actually, our first topic is extremely depressing. I'm sorry to bring you guys into it. Um, but Darius Geis of the Washington football team, he got arrested on domestic abuse charges. And uh, Washington cut him. And the specific charges that he was arrested, or he turned himself in on, was uh, strangulation. And the reason why I just kind of want to bring this up is like, it's really unfortunate that the NFL continues to struggle with this domestic abuse issue. Yeah, I mean, it seems like uh, something they haven't really been able to shake. I know why well, I feel like really the first, at least in the string of things that I can remember, I don't, can't remember what order it happened in, but I remember the whole Adrian Peterson situation with, you know, what he was doing to his son and then the Ray Rice situation. In fact, those are very close together. And then Kareem Hunt, like it just seems like there's at least one thing every offseason, some kind of major case that happens. And, you know, I feel like the NFL has tried to do a decent job, at least trying publicly to do different campaigns and make it seem like they uh, they really care about trying to clean this up and make sure that it doesn't happen to other players on other teams. But, you know, in some way you can't control all the people that are in your league. You can't control what they're doing off the field. So you can't blame it completely on the NFL, but at the same time, they really do need to work on the culture and, you know, what they're telling these players to do off the field and trying to make sure they're a good representation of their organization, their football team, and the NFL, both on and off the field. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I respect that Washington did, in fact, cut him. Um, I think that Ron Rivera, he was talking about how he wants to have a culture change with this new Washington football team. I am a fan of Ron Rivera. Um, and obviously he spent time with the Bears for a little bit back in uh, 85, right? But um, ultimately, he is a just a, a – I, I, it's really unfortunate. The one thing I have to say is that it's really unfortunate that it seems like the NFL cares substantially more when there's some sort of video attached to the instance because – I mean, Kareem Hunt obviously did something absolutely, you know, awful. But strangulation is, I would say, you know, probably way, way worse. If a video would have came out with Darius Geis, it seems like he would have been a little bit more than just cut from his team. It seems like he probably would have been absolutely removed from the NFL, like the Ray Rice situation, because that is absolutely horrible. And again, these are all allegations at this point. We don't know. There have been, you know, instances where NFL players have been, you know, been targeted by, you know, previous girlfriends or whatever it may be, uh, trying to get, you know, some sort of, 
you know, payment from them or whatever. And one thing that, you know, brings up is last year at around the same time, Tyreek Hill uh, was accused of breaking his son's arm, which ended up coming out as completely false. And the woman admitted to it and everything like that. So he ended up not being suspended. But ultimately, I wish the NFL would more consistently, you know, made a bigger effort with suspensions with this specific type of crime. You know, the fact that there seems like there's there were players who lost their entire more players that lost their entire career, like, you know, Josh Gordon and Martavius Bryant for marijuana than for people who are you know, hurting, you know, women and, and obviously causing a ton of harm. That's, that's pretty startling. And it says a lot about, you know, the way in which the NFL cares about portraying itself to the media. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting that that is the case, especially when you put it in that context of, you know, what some players get suspended for versus what others get suspended for or kicked out of the league in the case of Ray Rice situation and, yeah, it seems like the NFL is really willing to act upon things when they have video evidence, and I understand that because when it's like an alleged case, and it gets an interesting argument between, yes, like the, the NFL is its own entity, so they don't necessarily have to go with the law of the land in the United States, but in general, it seems that like they kind of like to hear what the you know, courts have to say about it before they act on it. It's not always the case, but when there's a video, yeah, they, they love to just go out there and you know, like you said, with Ray Rice, there was a pretty clear video about what happened in that elevator, and he got promptly booted out of the league, eventually reinstated, but no one really wanted to take him up. And then, right, yeah, you look at someone like Josh Gordon, who struggled with drug issues, but, you know, really drug issues compared to that kind of domestic violence, on my, at least in my opinion, isn't on the same plane. I, I think, you know, maybe someone else would disagree, but, you know, I think that it's interesting what the NFL tries to save their face on, you know, and what they really kind of deem to be permissible or acceptable. And, you know, I guess we'll have to see what kind of route they take on that. Of course, the Washington football team, the formerly the Redskins, took uh, took their stance on it. And we're just going to have to see what the league does about it, if anything. If Darius guys did, in fact, end up strangling this person, I, I'm going to be honest, I have not read up on the news at all about it. Like, I, I really just know about the headline. Um I, I, I hope he doesn't play in the NFL anymore. I'm not going to lie, but that's my own personal opinion. Um, people get, you know, are entitled to all their own opinions with that. But let's go ahead and move on. Um, NFL.com, they put the Bears as best case scenario in 2020 for 11 wins and worst case for four wins. Now, I'm just going to bring this up because we've talked extensively about our expectations uh, with the NFL this season or with the Bears particularly. And I believe we had similar similar win losses. I think I said ten wins or eleven wins, and I think you said about the same, right, Reese? Or were you or were you more towards the nine win range? I think we were both like at ten, pretty firmly uh, predicting it for this next season. Yeah, so we were both around ten wins, and it just seems really. It, this is honestly one of the first times I've seen a Bears win total max out at 11 wins. I think that a lot of national media analysts are saying way worse things about the Bears than this. Uh, but I have to be honest, I would be shocked if the Bears had four wins. Yeah, I'm, I think it's going to be interesting to see exactly how it plays out. I kind of like they give the best case, worst case. And I think it honestly is pretty accurate. I think that 
honestly, if things do go really bad this season, four wins, it, well, it's hard to imagine. I don't really think this will end up being the case, but if the Bears, for whatever reason, can't find stability at that quarterback position and the offense really kind of falters and, and kind of suffers from a lot of the same issues that it did in 2019, you know, who knows if the defense will be able to keep its spirits up like they did last season. I feel like they were very patient and, you know, willing to constantly put in the effort, even though the offense wasn't really giving them, you know, too much to work with. Um, I, I think that, you know, we're going to see a win total a lot closer to that best case scenario. And I, I think, though, that rea in reality, as a Bears fan, you know, you either want one of these two situations to be the case. You know, if they get 11 wins, odds are they're just, they have to be, there's not too many 11-win teams that don't win the division. So if they're an 11-win team, you know, they're winning the NFC Central or the NFC North. Um, and uh, if it's a uh, four-win season, you know, then they're picking pretty damn good in the draft. So you kind of have to like the outlook of that and, uh, you know, hope that it goes one of the two ways. The last thing you kind of want to be caught up in is that same 8-8 eight and eight position they're in because that's kind of just the worst place to be as a football team. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And when you say that, you know, either way, it's a good outlook for this team. I agree with you. You know, four wins, we probably have a chance at getting one of the top two quarterbacks in the NFL. And that brings me a lot of hope as a Bears fan. And if you have four wins, clearly there's going to be a quarterback issue. And we would be drafting quarterback at the position. And we've talked about this extensively on the podcast. Is like the Bears, even though, you know, maybe their cap space position is getting a little bit tight next year because of this restricted uh, this new restricted cap, the Bears have a really nice outlook for the future because, hey, you know, worst case scenario, we probably are going to get a really good quarterback next year. And if that's one of the quarterbacks on our roster or one of the quarterbacks in the draft, this is a completely opposite outlook from the 2016 season where you're going into 2017 not even knowing if there are that many great quarterbacks in the draft. Turns out there were a couple good quarterbacks in that draft, but at the end of the day, um, the expectations at that time were very low. I'm not into revisionist history, and most people remember that analysts were just absolutely, you know, shitting on the Bears that draft for even drafting a quarterback because they believe that the Bears shouldn't have drafted a quarterback, and they should have, you know, went went around with uh, Mike Glennon for the entire season. And you can argue if that's a yes or a no. The Bears would have probably had a really good draft pick in the 2018 draft, maybe gotten, you know, Lamar Jackson or or whoever was coming out in that draft class, Baker Mayfield. You don't know. We, we don't know at this point. So just looking into the future, we have a really positive outlook. So that's why even if we had four wins, I would be optimistic as a Bears fan. And I think everyone else should be too. Obviously, we have some pieces that are aging a little bit. Akeem Hicks, uh, Danny Trevathan, and Khalil Mack are not the youngest players. But again, they still have, you know, three years, four years left in them at least. So in their prime probably. So it's never too... It's never too late to go ahead and grab a quarterback. And even you never really know at this point. I mean, you look at Lamar Jackson and, um, even, and uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes, how early on in their career they saw success. It could just be a little one-year dip where, you know, the next year, if you get Trevor Lawrence, hey, you know, maybe you're going to the Super Bowl in a year after that. You just never really know at this point. So ultimately, I again – optimistic outlook as a Bears fan. It's kind of interesting as well because I think that the national media really portrays the Bears to have this like devastating future when they really don't really understand the, the the fact of how good our GM is at drafting, which, you know, inevitably extends your future. And then also just how 
much opportunity there is with drafting quarterback next year. So ultimately, as a Bears fan, I'm optimistic. Yeah, and I think there's good reason to be optimistic. You know, I think exactly what you said. You know, people seem to paint a pretty bleak future, but the reality is, is if this Bears franchise is able to find a long-term solution at quarterback, like you said, with Ryan Pace's drafting ability and with with what they already have on the roster already on hand, could make pretty good moves, you know, in the near future. Like you said, let's say they go out and get a Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields next year. You know, two years down the line, Khalil Mack is still going to be playing very well. You know, who maybe, you know, maybe someone like Akeem Hicks is a little bit on the downslope. But there's a lot of moves that can be made between, you know, then and, you know, where we're at right now. And the Bears team could be in a very good position to make a good run at it. So, yeah, 100%. It's hard to really say that an NFL team has a bad future when you really don't even know who they're going to be drafting. You know, it's it's tough because the NFL, you don't really have as much control and development as, like, some teams in other leagues do in this country. Like, you know, the MLB has a pretty deep farm system. It's kind of hard to, you know, it's easier to tell in the MLB with, you know, how good a team's young talent pool is. In the NFL, you kind of draft them, and that's right when you start to get control of them. So... Yeah, it's kind of hard to say that, hey, the Bears are going to have a, a bad future because you just don't know who they're going to draft or who they're going to sign. Yeah, I mean, and that's what, at the end of the day, when you have a good GM, you can really extend the future of your team. Going back two or three years ago, I'm sure people would say that the Kansas City Chiefs didn't have all that great of an outlook when they had Alex Smith and just kind of, you know, they just drafted Kareem Hunt. They're a good team, but they didn't look like they had anything special. And then look, at they draft Patrick Mahomes and boom, they're uh, they're an instant contender for the you know you never even know how long they're going to be it could be a dynasty potentially the way people are talking about Patrick Mahomes so it's just it shows you how a a quarterback can change your team and b a good GM a good drafting GM can change your team as well I mean hell I wouldn't even say that the Kansas City Chiefs GM is all that great at drafting now I would say that Ryan Pace is better at drafting obviously he has um, well, actually, no, he doesn't even have Patrick Mahomes on his side because it was uh, the guy who went to Cleveland who drafted Patrick Mahomes right before he left and got fired. So ultimately, having good GM and then good quarterback play essentially expands your window forever. I mean, look at the Packers. They've had horrible management as far as outside of the quarterback. So and they're doing it as well. Yeah. So it, it, it just it just goes to prove that. Why don't we go ahead? And move on, though. Eddie Jackson, uh, he's been in the news a little bit lately, and I think it, it's coming with a lot of the player interviews uh, recently. Eddie Jackson was pleading with Matt Nagy in an interview to get some offensive snaps. He said, all I need is two or three plays. If I mess up, you can take me out of the packages, but I doubt that. Any upside here when talking about Eddie Jackson and playing the offensive side of the ball? Yeah, I mean, you know, being like a Michigan fan, of course, like Charles Woodson is pretty famous for – when he played the offensive side of the ball at Michigan. And um, actually, I'm just going to stop talking right now because my fucking one clock is making a bunch of sounds. So you're just going to have to edit it out. Okay, it stopped. Um, of course, you know, you know, being a Michigan fan with Charles Woodson, you know, it was pretty famous in his Heisman season. He took some snaps on the offensive side of the ball, playing at wide receiver, taking some handoffs, you know. So I really like the idea of, you know, giving a defensive player some touches. They really kind of add a little bit of a wild card factor. You know, the opposing defenses really don't know what exactly he has to bring to the table, you know. When you're going through an offense, you know, 
you know, like opposing demons may look at Tariq and go like, okay, yeah, he's a threat out of the, out of the backfield to run the ball to, you know, even sometimes throw the ball. We've seen the Bears try to pull that like halfback pass with him a few times and also catching the ball. So defense is a kind of key on, but you bring in someone like Ed A. Jackson and, you know, you put him on the field, you move him around a bit, you know, maybe you motion him inside and outside the backfield. The defense is really going to have to kind of just scheme on the fly for him and what they think his skill set might be. So, you know, in a crucial situation or, you know, kind of those few, you know, coaches talk about a lot of times, there's just, there's a few really important moments in a football game. Like you call all these plays, but there's a few like moments that stick out there, like really the moments that change the course of the game. And if you bring in Eddie Jackson in one of those moments and he's able to come out and perform, you know, he could be the difference in between you, you know, winning and losing a game just off of defense, not knowing what to expect. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to make it clear. I don't think that Eddie Jackson is going to be this, you know, stellar offensive player. I actually highly doubt that. I don't think I have never seen him run around in his life. All I've seen him do is, you know, play, you know, as a good safety, which isn't even the same as a cornerback. But ultimately, I think what he does bring is just a, a level of, you know, surprise to whatever play you bring him in on. You really don't know how to account for him if he's just going to be a decoy, if he's getting the ball. Obviously, he's got some range to him, so that's positive as well. I obviously wouldn't want him to get hurt in a play. Uh, that would be devastating for this team. But, you know, ultimately, um, if he does perform, if he does get on offense, I could see some packages where he could potentially succeed. And kind of building off what you just said, Reese, yeah, there's a lot of key moments in football games that completely alter uh, the outlook of the game. I mean, let's talk about the Bears-Chargers game last year. The Bears were in the red zone probably like five times more than the Chargers <laughs> were. But they could not convert, and thus they lost. The Bears were – I don't think you disagree with this, reason. The Bears were moving the ball way better than the Chargers oh, were. But as soon as as soon as they got to the end zone, just struggles, absolute struggles. And it's not even like the Chargers last year were this, you know, fantastic end zone, red zone defense team. It was just an ineptitude in red zone play calling. And, you know, we can kind of hit on that in another episode. But over the past couple of seasons, especially in Matt Nagy's career, Bears have struggled in the red zone. It's almost like I would rather see the Bears, when they get to the red zone, take two penalties – and go from the 20 yard line <laughs> then have then have them you know try to even try to you know take a player and, and and get it into the end zone from the one yard line so ultimately it's struggles there but uh that need to be addressed but again key moments key players bring in eddie jackson in a surprise move but again i also have criticized Nagy in the past for not taking the you know, sure option and trying to be too fancy on third downs and trying to, you know, take Tariq Cohen and put him through the middle. Like no one will ever expect that. And sure, maybe people might not expect it, but that doesn't mean it's going to work out. You know, it it, it doesn't mean it's going to work out. So at the end of the day, I would be interested as a fan to see Eddie Jackson play, but I don't want him obviously playing like all the time. Yeah, I I think it goes both ways. And you bring up a good point. I, I think there was a lot of times last season when he had the chance before he completely cut down on the playbook, you know, about halfway through the season and and gave Trubisky no plays to work with. There was a point where he was getting a little too a little too fancy with it, you know, sometimes just doing things I think to to catch to get some, you know, good looks, to look good aesthetically. And it just, there were smarter plays to call then. And, you know, with the red zone, you know, I can't recall too many times where the Bears 
went super fancy. I think in like 2018 where things were going really well, they tried to do a few of those, you know, have Tariq, you know, throw the ball and that worked out kind of well or try to do some kind of wildcat things with, you know, both the running backs in the backfield, which I think is is somewhat acceptable, especially when things are going well. But yeah, last year in 2019 when they could not, could not buy a touchdown in the red zone and you started to see, you know, Nagy stray away from running the ball and it was just call making some really odd play calls you know it seems like you know we kind of need to go back to basics here and and actually think things through and and try to go with what works you know running the football and a lot of it came down to some bad offensive line play as well so there's a lot of things working against them and you know like you said we can go into this deeper I think the number one thing that the Bears need to improve offensively maybe aside from the quarterback position is scoring in the red zone I mean there's just so many chances that they blew and you know those four point differences between field goals and you know they're missing field goals too that four point difference between a field goal and a touchdown with an extra point those add up quick yeah no absolutely it's it's a huge issue and it's something we've consistently seen through Matt Nagy's career in Chicago even in their good year in 2018 and something that definitely needs to improve this season in order to you know want to bring Matt Nagy back as far as uh as far as improving the red zone, I think that we improved definitely with having tight end talent this year, you know, hopefully now with having not only tight end talent, but Montgomery, and then also an extra year from Riley Ridley, who was pretty good in the red zone at Georgia and a bigger guy as well. We can actually see some improvement there. And honestly, I think having Taylor Gabriel in the red zone was kind of an issue because he's just, he was just so small that like he didn't really draw that much attention. He was kind of just lost in the fog and if a taller player was in front of him, it makes it almost impossible to get the ball to him, you know, because of his, his, just his stature. So ultimately, hopefully the Bears improve there. I think Ted Ginn Jr., if he ends up performing there, is going to be an upgrade. And also Darnell Mooney, he's a skinnier guy, but he's also um, a tall, much taller guy than Taylor Gabriel. So let's go ahead and move on. Uh, this is just all in the news for the week. Eddie Jackson, he compares Fangio and Pagano's scheme. And Reese, I know you were the one that actually brought this topic up, so why don't you go ahead and describe it? Actually, hold on a minute. We actually have some breaking news. The an NFL GM supposedly told media that's uh, an NFL GM that's anonymous that if college football doesn't end up playing out this fall, the NFL is going to play games on Saturdays and Sundays. I could instant reactions. Yeah, Reese. I could definitely see that happening. I think that would be very smart you know I think I mean there's so many things that are going on right now in sports that the NFL really needs to consider I mean the first one that we brought up being bubble cities and just seeing how much better that's going for the NBA and NHL than it is going for the MLB so that should be one of the very big things that the NFL is noting secondly instantly reacting to that 100% something they can do whatever way you can space out games and space things out or kind of provide accommodations for, you know, these these teams and trying to get things done. And also just, you know, if they're playing on Saturdays and Sundays, think about the, all the extra exposure they could do too. They could show a lot more games on TV. Um, that's all more revenue that they can drive into the league in a time where the league is dying to get more revenue. So 100%, I think that, you know, if the college football season gets canceled, which right now is looking pretty bad, Big Ten just said that they're going to cancel their season. Um, so, you know, it's not looking good. I know the Pac-12 has, uh, you know, said some things as well. So I think that, uh, 
we need to uh, kind of watch this and see what happens. And uh, I think that, you know, it very well would be a smart move for them to go ahead and do that just on a money um, and economical uh, economics position. And also, I think there's many ways you can make it safer, too. I can't really come up with them off my head right now, but I feel like it's definitely a positive. If you yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as a football fan, it just means more national games for us if this actually happens. There's so many games in the NFL that it's almost impossible to actually – you know, watch all of them. And like, you'd have to be, you know, flipping sporadically through channels if you actually want to see a good portion of each game, which is honestly, in my opinion, a part of the reason why we see a really a disconnect between national media coverage of teams uh, to their actual situations. It's just because it all happens on one day, you know, or well, it doesn't all happen on one day. It happens on three days, but all but two games happen on one, one day. So if it doesn't happen, you know, if it's if it doesn't happen on the Monday or prime time or, or, or you know, Thursday game, you're not going to really see every single game. So being able to have Saturday and Sunday now is going to give NFL fans a lot more of an opportunity to see every single team's football, get a better perspective on every team. And hey, that means, you know, when I'm working on homework for school, I can, you know, be watching the Titans play the, you know, I don't, I don't know, the Colts or something or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah Titans playing the Texans, Excellent. whatever that is. And, you know, ultimately that just improves my football mind. That improves your football mind, Reese. That improves everybody's football mind. And, uh, hey, we can still argue about whether or not a team's good or not. But actually it might help the national media get a better perspective on the Bears this season. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely could. And I think you bring up a really good point with that. I think, too, you know, I was going to bring up, like, that was the appeal of NFL Red Zone. I don't really know if they even still offer that anymore, but I remember the whole appeal of NFL Red Zone was, you know, oh, you can watch, like, all the games and, like, see all the touchdowns and all the important moments, like turnovers and all that. But, of course, you know, with Red Zone, I mean, that was, it's cool, but you only got to see, like, those moments, and you could only follow so much. And, you know, there's something about watching a full game kind of end-to-end and kind of getting the reading and feeling of what's going on in the game. So to have that ability and, uh, you know, if that ends up being the case and they don't do, like, media blackouts and they actually allow more national coverage, that would be uh, that'd be beautiful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, I mean, for everyone out there that watches NFL Red Zone, I was with you for a little bit when I wasn't able to have Sunday ticket. I was watching that and uh, – I have to say, I'm not a huge fan of it. I, I think that you can find that just on YouTube, you know, just watching YouTube highlights. Just go ahead and watch the highlights of games. But if you want to watch the actual, you know, meticulous part of football, which I think is the exciting part, like I don't, for me, I'm not a huge fan of the appeal of watching, you know, NFL games after they occur. To me, it just kind of lacks the excitement. And so I always yeah. like watching games, you know, when there in real time and that is you know ultimately why i'm not a huge fan of nfl red zone right yeah i think that um having that live excitement you know watching it as the actual fans in the stadium or you know are definitely not gonna have that opportunity this season but um and you know normally as the fans in the stadium would see it as definitely a, a different experience and Going back and watching things, especially if you already know the result, especially if, like, something's already breaking, you know, with how we are today on, like, social media, you know, we get to see sports highlights just instantly after they happen. So, 
to watch it after the fact is really it kind of spoils it you know yeah absolutely absolutely so let's get back to the original topic that we were going to be talking about Eddie Jackson has some comparisons between Fangio's scheme and Pagano's scheme. And I know, Reese, you were the one that brought up this topic, as I mentioned before. So why don't you go ahead and break it down for us exactly what it's talking about. Yeah, like you said, uh, with all the player interviews that have been going on, I think uh, it was brought to brought to the attention, uh, someone rose a question to Eddie Jackson as to, you know, what the main different like scheme differences between uh, Vic Fangio and Chuck Pagano, both who are, are very widely regarded as being good at good defensive coordinators. You know, of course, Fangio did so well that he ended up getting the head coaching job out in Denver. And Chuck Pagano, you know, notably had the former head coaching job in, in Indianapolis. So I think that uh, mainly what Eddie Jackson broke it down to is that you know, Fangio likes to favor and play more zone, and uh, Pagano, you know, he often relies on, you know, more man-to-man kind of putting, you know, our players against their players kind of philosophy, and what that led to was Eddie Jackson playing more man-to-man against wide receivers than he ever had to in his career, and he said that he didn't particularly mind it, but it was just a different change of pace from kind of dropping back into deep zones. Yeah, and honestly, I hope that the Chicago Bears and Chuck Pagano end up altering Pagano's scheme a little bit. I think that Eddie Jackson is a much better zone safety, you know, cover one safety than he is, you know, coming down and matching up man-to-man on players. I think he does a good job of that. But when you have Eddie Jackson and when you have him on the contract that he has, I think you need to take the highest advantage of his ability to take the ball, you know, pick the ball out of the air and make the most out of that and also provide that extra protection deep. Um, And I think that, you know, how Fangio was playing him is a perfect role for him, keeping him, you know, single deep. And we can talk about how maybe having HaHa Clinton Dix alter this as well. And it didn't allow Eddie Jackson to play the position the best that he could. And I think obviously adding Treshawn Gibson um, is, is an upgrade there. So maybe Treshawn can take over some more of the man responsibilities beneath and Eddie Jackson can just stay in that cover one. And I also think that it led to the Bears giving up a couple, you know, more explosive plays than we would have wanted to, that we would have with Fangio's defense. But ultimately, I've been happy with Pagano as far as a defense coordinator. I think he was the best option to replace Fangio. Um, Ultimately, it it would be kind of nice if Fangio got fired from that Denver job and came back and was uh, our defensive coordinator again because he did just a fantastic job in 2018 and he's just a really well-respected coordinator and I think that if he did get fired he definitely would be back on this team um but ultimately I just wish the best for him which is you know probably not to be fired um but hey you never know with Denver uh, how how that's going having to deal with Elway and everything it doesn't sound like the best case scenario yeah, I think, you know, I agree with you. I think that under Fangio, Eddie Jackson was allowed to flourish more. And you're totally right about how Clinton Dix. Um, I know that there's statistics out there that his, that Eddie Jackson's, you know, time or percentage of plays where he was lined up in the box was markedly higher than uh, his first two seasons. He Because of how Clinton Dix, he had to play in the box more, which I think really does limit his ability to kind of just roam that back end, I think that's definitely what Eddie Jackson does the best. And you're right, you know, to a ski, you know, in a way, it does fall on Pagano to kind of adjust his scheme 
to match what's best with the players he has. And, you know, one of his best players on that defense is, is Eddie Jackson. So he really needs to kind of find a way to get the best out of him because he can change the course of a game. Of course, Eddie Jackson can not only get turnovers, but he's often really good at, you know, returning them, taking them all the way to the house. And defensive touchdowns really just change the the course of a game. So I, I think that, you know, I, I think that Pagano does need to shape up a little bit in that. I think that he can stick to a lot of his man schemes, but, you know, maybe, yeah, you are just playing cover one. You know, you're playing man-to-man on the edges. You know, your corners are playing man-to-man. You know, maybe Trishon Gibson is, you know, tasked with, you know, playing man-to-man on a tight end as well. But at the same time, Eddie Jackson has the, is playing that deep zone where he can read uh, read the play and pick which side of the field he wants to go on and hopefully go and make a play. So I think that probably be what's best for, you know, the defense as a whole is to have Eddie Jackson be playing the, the top of his game. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I can't complain too much because we've only been in the first year of Pagano's scheme. And obviously there's, you know, a transition period and players are bound to have a little bit of a tougher time picking it up immediately. So I think that's part of the reason why we saw a little bit of dip in production from some of our, you know, stars on this defense. Um, As far as, you know, we talk about Kyle Fuller a lot. He's not a great fit for this defense either. So it makes sense why we'd move on from him in the future, Uh, particularly maybe after this year, we go ahead and trade him. Um, but also, I just I, I think that it's important to remember this defense also had a lot of injuries. Um, and this year, this defense has mightily improved with the additions of, you know, Robert Quinn. We have some more depth with Barkevius Mingo, uh, the, the legend here on the Bears. And then we also got, you know, so a, a lot more depth at cornerback Jalen Johnson starting. Um, that's going to be huge for us. It's going to be really big for us. So ultimately, I'm I think that I'm, you know, I'm excited. I'm optimistic about Pagano's. Uh, scheme going into year two but I do wish that we would have maintained uh, maintained Fangio and you know maybe we will in the future that'd be really nice for us and maybe we can get into that another day the chances of maybe Fangio returning uh, or maybe we can dream about that um he might just go ahead and retire after you know he's getting kind of old he might just retire after uh, maybe. Co- yeah. co- coaching Denver uh, so let's go ahead and let's get into the bulk of our show which is power ranking the Chicago Bears now we had a big podcast with uh, Chris Malpe of the Bear Down podcast, and we went over power ranking the Bears amongst the NFC teams and just kind of where they rank up there as far as playoffs and, and everything in regards to that. But let's go ahead and we're just going to go through every single team in the NFL and, you know, give a couple quick statements. And ultimately, both of us will give our conclusion as to whether the Chicago Bears are better or worse than them this year. So uh, let, let, let's go ahead and get into it. We're going to start with the – well, actually, we'll start with the NFC. So the NFC East, right? We have the Cowboys, the Redskins, the Giants, and the Eagles. The Cowboys. What's your, uh, what's your outlook on the Cowboys this year, Reese? I would say that the Bears are probably worse off than the Cowboys. Simply just I think the division helps the Cowboys a lot in padding their wins. And, you know, I think that helps them. I think that the – the Cowboys have actually a lot of weapons on offense. I think Gallup was better than expected. Of course, Amari Cooper delivers. Um, Ezekiel Elliott, of course, is a uh, top five running back in the league. Dak Prescott is, in my opinion, the obvious weak point of this offense. I think that, you know, I think he's a decent quarterback. I think that he's better than, 
he's better off than what the Bears are at that position. But, uh, you know, they definitely don't have the same defense caliber. But I think that just for their division and what they have, I think they're better off than the Bears are. I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you here. After uh, we were looking at the Cowboys last year and the Bears beating them pretty substantially uh, at Soldier Field, I, I just can't put any faith into the Cowboys. I think that, you know, I don't have faith in Mike McCarthy. Um, I don't really have faith in that team whatsoever. I'm not a huge Dak Prescott fan. Uh, you can argue that he's better than Mitchell Trubisky, but I don't think he's the best quarterback either. And I think ultimately the Chicago Bears just have a more developed defense. Obviously, uh, the addition of C.D. Lamb, I think, is going to make that offense much better. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think that the Chicago Bears are a better team than the Cowboys. And I think that even last year when we were struggling mightily, the fact that we could beat them is uh, a fact in this playing that. But it would not surprise me still if the Cowboys came out with a better win-loss record, like you're saying, Reese. Because um, you're right, the, the, the division is much more stacked in their favor than the NFC North is. Um, so let's go, let's move on to the uh, Washington football team. And I, I hope you agree with me here. I think that the Bears are a much a substantially better team than the Washington football team. Yeah, I think the Bears are just about better everywhere on the field uh, than the Washington football team. I think, you know, there's a few bright spots for them. I think uh, Dwayne Haskins is a little bit of a question mark still. He had a lot of opportunity, um, you know, to play at the end of last season. Didn't really show a lot of good things. But at the same time, he was kind of in like the Trubisky position, right, when he was starting under Fox. So I don't think you can necessarily uh, make any sweeping generalizations about uh, Dwayne Haskins yet. Chase Young, of course, is going to be exciting, but yeah, this team just does not have much substance outside of a few key players. So yeah, I mean, the Bears, I think, are definitely a lot better off than the Washington football team. Awesome, awesome. So I'm glad we agree there because it would probably be an issue uh, if we didn't, if the Chicago Bears (laughs) were projecting out worse than the Washington football team. Um, Let's go ahead and move on to the New York Giants now. Again, this is another clear uh, clear answer for me, the Bears are much better than the New York Giants. I, I think that, again, across pretty much every single aspect of the field, I believe that the Bears are a much better team, except for running back. Obviously, they have Saquon Barkley. Um, but defense, offense, I think the Bears are a much better team. And I think, again, product showed on the field. We beat all these past three teams that we've been talking about last year when we were on a down year. And then also we had a much worse team and a much more injured team that we're going to have this year. Yeah, I think uh, I'm right with you. The Giants, uh, the Giants are lucky that Washington's in their division because otherwise they'd <laughs> definitely be the bottom feeder. Um, but the Bears definitely in a lot better shape. I feel, you know, once again, you know, Giants are a little bit like the Redskins where they have a few good things going on, but they just really lack like the all around, uh, you know, all around skill on, on defense and offense. So I'm right with you. Awesome, awesome. So now we have the Philadelphia Eagles, Chicago Bears. They uh, were losing pretty bad to them last year uh, when we played them. However, we had a pretty big comeback, and then the Eagles put together a nine-minute drive that lost us the game, essentially, even though we were looking like we were going to end up winning. Um, again, showing kind of the ineptitude on offense by the Chicago Bears, and even on defense last year, just from how tired they were. Um, Eagles, do you think the Eagles are better or worse than the Bears this year? You know, this one's it's kind of tight. I think the Bears are better than the Eagles. Um, 
you know, I think that the the only team in this division I was gonna say was better was gonna be the Cowboys. I think the Eagles. Look, I I think Wentz is kind of he's a tough person to call. I think Wentz is a good quarterback, and I think they have some good weapons on the offensive side of the football. But to me, they're kind of just aging in the wrong places. You know, they seem like they are consistently running into a lot of the same issues. Um, so I, I think the Bears are better off. Yeah, and I it's hard to say because they did beat us last year, but ultimately I believe we had a better team uh, at the end of the day. And I'm just not a, not a huge Carson Wentz believer anymore. I know that a lot of people have faith in him. Um, I have not seen the consistency from him yet, but I'm going to go ahead and say that the, I believe the Chicago Bears are better than the, than the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, in this current season. Again, a lot of aging pieces, um, lost some pieces this year as well. Uh, not not any really big upgrades in any position. And I, I believe the Chicago Bears upgrade pretty substantially um, throughout the entire draft. So let's go ahead and move on to our own division, which is the NFC North, starting off with the Green Bay Packers. Reese, Packers or Bears? Where are you liking? Man, I... You know, this it sounds also tough, and it hurts to say it. I think the Packers are a shade better off. I think just what Aaron Rodgers gives you at the quarterback position, still um, playing at a very elite level. Devontae Adams, big fan of his. Unfortunately, they don't have much else at the wide receiver position. You know, they're starting to get some production in other areas, but they don't. They're still lacking that clear number two wide receiver. Um, finally, getting some good uh, production out of the running game. So their offense is pretty well off. Their defense is young and inconsistent. However, I think Aaron Rodgers is good enough to cover up a lot of those mistakes and, uh, you know, pips them over the Bears. Yeah, and ultimately the Green Bay Packers, um, you know, I think that the Bears absolutely have an opportunity to be better than them this year, but just based on, you know, more of a proven record. Um, Talking about last year at this point, I'm going to go ahead and go with the Green Bay Packers. Um, That's the first team so far that I believe in the NFC is better than the Chicago Bears. Um, And at this point, it's just because they've they've proven it. You know, I think that the Bears could absolutely finish better than the Packers, but the Packers have proven it at this point. So the Minnesota Vikings, and I'll I'll go ahead and give my pick first. I I think the Bears are uh, quite substantially better than the Minnesota Vikings this year. Yeah, I don't know if I'd go as far as substantially. I think the Bears are better than the Vikings. I don't think it's really too close. I think that the Vikings have some good things going on. I like their draft picks. I like a lot of the offseason moves that they made. I think they're playing the long game and they're playing the future game very well. And then again, Kirk Cousins just doesn't cut it against the Bears. I think the Bears are probably, they have a good chance of winning both the games against the Vikings this year. All right, so then the final team in the NFC North, not including the Chicago Bears, is the Detroit Lions. Again, I don't see the Lions being anything special this year. I know that Lions fans, every single year, they think that they're going to be something special for the first time in 20 years. However, I don't believe that's happening this year. Yeah, this year isn't the year for the Lions. I think the Bears are um, them pretty, 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 uh, pretty damn better than the than the uh, Lions, so we'll leave it at that. All right, so now moving on to the NFC South, uh, a division that has experienced probably the most change out of any NFL division this year. Um, Let's go ahead and start off with the Panthers. The Panthers, uh, you know, they brought in uh, Teddy Bridgewater, 
some uh, quarterback that some Bears fans wanted, and some people were saying the Bears actually wanted over Nick Foles. Ultimately, though, I'm not. I'm just not a huge fan of the Panthers. I, I know they have Christian McCaffrey, they have uh, Teddy Bridgewater now, but that's you know that's really about it. They don't have too much talent on either side of the ball. Yeah, I I, I like Teddy Bridgewater. I think Christian McCaffrey is obviously very good. But yeah, not the same Panthers teams from uh, about you know three or four years ago. So I think the Bears are definitely better than the Carolina Panthers. All right. So then moving to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, they obviously brought in Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, and a lot a lot of other big names. Or they brought in a, they had a talented defense last year. Surprisingly, um, offensive line held up a little bit. You know, I'm gonna go ahead and give the I'm gonna have to give the edge to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't believe that they're going to be as good of a team as many people project them to be. I'm not so confident that Rob Gronkowski is just going to be this great player again. And I don't even know if Tom Brady will be able to handle uh, Bruce Arians scheme in the way that a lot of people think he can. Uh, ultimately, I, I believe that the Buccaneers will actually end up disappointing this coming season, but um, I'm still going to give the edge to the Buccaneers just because they got Tom Brady and everything that they went through this off season. Yeah. I'm going to give the edge to the Buccaneers as well. I think that, there's going to be some scheme things they have to figure out on uh, the offensive side of the ball. I think the defense is going to improve a bit, you know, still leaving a bit to be desired. But, you know, I think you can't really look away from their weapons quite yet. It's going to be interesting to see how it goes over the first couple of weeks, and maybe we'll have a lot better of a read on them then. But hard team to call at the moment, but I'll give them the edge. Now we have the New Orleans Saints. Of course, they have Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Drew Brees. That's really their... Uh... They're, they're studs that they have on offense, and then they have a pretty good defense as well. Obviously, they beat us last year. Uh, almost had a comeback. We actually had uh, – it's, it's kind of weird how close the Bears were to having a comeback in a lot of games. It was like they dig themselves a hole in the first half and like, start to actually show competence in the second half, which doesn't really work out too well. Um, but ultimately, right. the Saints, I, I'm going to have to, again, give the, the edge to the Saints. They have Drew Brees, and you know Drew Brees, he's kind of fallen off a little bit. I'm not – I'm not going to say he's going to have an MVP season or a big season at all. Uh, I think Michael Thomas is obviously a really good wide receiver. Alvin Kamara, probably a little bit overrated from where he was at before. Um, but ultimately, I'm going to give the edge to the Saints because I, I just I, I think that the Drew Brees-Sean Payton connection is just too grand for uh, something that uh, – to believe we can automatically overcome that when we really don't even know who's going to be our quarterback going into the season. Yeah, I think the, the Saints are uh... – They've been the cream of the crop of the NFC, you know, one of the top two teams over the past couple of years, and nothing really saying that that tide is going to turn. So I think that they uh, they have a, a quite a bit of an advantage. They have a a very productive offense and a very strong defense. So I think they're they're well off. All right, so now moving into the NFC West, we're going to start off with the Seattle. Oh, actually, sorry, we still have the Falcons in the NFC South. I'm going to go ahead. team. Yeah, yeah, right. I'm going to go ahead and say that the Bears are better than the Falcons. I really don't believe there's too much of a debate there. But, Reese, do you have any? Falcons have really fallen off. You don't really know what Matt Ryan you're going to get. I think the Bears are uh, in a better spot than them. I think that they uh, could definitely take them down. Yep, and then, okay, again, NFC West. Uh, we're going to go ahead and start off with the Seattle Seahawks. And I'm going to say that the Bears are not as good as the Seattle Seahawks. Um, unfortunately, I think that we could be. Uh, Seattle Seahawks are a team that I'm hoping can perform pretty well, but I really don't know at this point, you know, what we're going to get with them. 
Um, and see, they were primed to beat the Packers last year if it wasn't for a really controversial uh, Jimmy Graham quote-unquote first down, which I do not believe was a first down, um, and ultimately led to the Seahawks losing to the Packers. But at the end of the day, uh, I, I think that the Seahawks have a better outlook than both the Packers and the Bears currently. Yeah, you know, uh, really not a big Russell Wilson fan, so it hurts me to say that the Seahawks are better, but, you know, I think they're a more developed team. It's going to be interesting how that defense performs. Uh, but, yeah, unfortunately, I think the Seahawks are do have a bit of an advantage over the Bears. And then we have the Arizona Cardinals. A lot of people are big fans of Kyler Murray. Obviously, they added DeAndre Hopkins this past offseason. I'm just, you know, I, I, I can't say that I'm a huge fan of the Cardinals this year. I'm not a huge Cliff Kingsbury fan. Um, I think that the Bears are better than the Cardinals. You know, I, I think that the Cardinals are going to be a pretty damn good team. I think this is going to be kind of a close one. I, I will give the edge to the Bears because I think, you know, the Bears are more proven. We know what the Bears are. At the same time, I think that we're going to see quite, a, you know, quite a development in that offense. I think Kyler Murray is going to be good. I think that his shortness is playing a little bit of a role. I think it does hamper him at times. But at least he's got some good big wide receivers to throw it up to, uh, Fitzgerald and Hopkins. Defense isn't bad. Of course, they have Chandler Jones. So I think they're good, but the Bears are better. And then we have the San Francisco 49ers. Um, you know, this is a really close one for me because I'm not a huge fan of this team. I think they got a little bit lucky last year, and I think they had some pretty uncharacteristic years at a lot of players. But obviously they were in the Super Bowl last year, so I'm going to give the edge to them. Yeah, I'm also going to give uh, the 49ers the, the win on this one. I think that, you know, they have a, a very strong defense. Nick Bosa, of course, one of the league's best pass rushers already. And uh, I think it's going to be interesting to watch is that offensive production this year. We have to see what Jimmy Garoppolo can get out of it and uh, just how much production they can get from the wide receiver position is going to be the, the big thing for them if they can repeat their success. So, But I'll give the nod to the 49ers. And then finally, we have the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, I'm not a. I think the Rams lost a lot of talent this year. I I'm not a huge fan of Jared Goff. I think that the Chicago Bears are. I think they're going to be pretty. I think they're going to be a good deal better than the Rams this year. Yeah, I'm not seeing a lot to like from the Rams. You know, I think they have some good offensive firepower still. McVay does them well. Goff does just barely enough at times. Um, defense isn't quite the same as what it used to be. Of course, they have Aaron Donald was very good. I think this is actually a close one, but I'll give the edge to the Bears uh, just simply because I think the Bears' defense is is a lot stronger than the Rams. Last year, it seemed like the Rams and the Bears were kind of in the same position, um, and ultimately, I believe that the Bears got better this offseason, whereas the Rams didn't really do much. Actually, they, in fact, got worse this offseason. Um, so ultimately, I'm just I'm, I'm going to go ahead and side with the Bears there. Uh, but ultimately, let's go ahead and move on to the AFC. Starting with the AFC East, we have the New England Patriots. Now, let's keep in mind that eight players on their team have already opted out, including some pretty big names. Um, and they also lost Tom Brady. Reese, who you have? Yeah, this is a tough one. I mean, I... <laughs> You know, they're kind of like the Buccaneers because, you know, it's like just because Tom Brady moving really destabilized the, the Patriots and it made things different. I, I like the Cam Newton fit. I want to see how it works out with their offense. I think they have a great defense. I think this is going to come as a surprise. I'm going to give the Patriots an edge. I think just because 
just because I believe in Belichick, but I do think that offense is going to take a big step backwards. I still think they can compete in that division, though. I believe in Belichick more than I believe in Brady as well, but I'm going to go ahead and give this to the Bears. I just They have so many holes right now that are just left unfilled. Um, really, it's going to be a Cam Newton. and um, Their defense played pretty well last year, but it's going to be really a Cam Newton-Julian Edelman show, and I'm not really going to you know, root on that <laughs> <laughs> too much. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and give that to the Chicago Bears. Um, so then we got the New York Jets. For me, it's, again, another pretty clear uh, clear win here for the we Chicago Bears. Talk about that one, yeah, that's that's just a clear win. And then we have the Bills, who, you know, had a bigger year last year. They improved, they improved pretty well. Um, I'm still not a Josh Allen fan personally. Um, I'm not a I'm not a huge. I, obviously, they added Stephon Diggs. Their defense performed pretty well, but I don't know. I, I'm this is kind of a toss up for me. What do you think, Reese? I'm going to give the edge to the Bears. I just think the Bills are going to take a step backwards. I think they found some some good magic last year. But it's the Bills, man. It's, I think it's going to be tough for them to re- recre- recreate it. Um, so I'll give the edge to the Bears. Hmm. I'm still, I'm still kind of on the fence. I'm, I'm going to give the edge to the Bills um, in this division. Just, just because I have a little bit more faith in Josh Allen probably than Mitchell Trubisky at this point. So... Um, I'm just going to, which uh, I feel disgusted saying, I kind of want to go throw up right now, but um, I'm just going to go ahead and give them the edge there. Um, now, when we are looking at the Miami Dolphins, for me, this is a clear win for the Chicago Bears. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it'll be interesting to see you know, if Tua plays or when Tua plays. But yeah, I mean, that Dolphins team just still isn't isn't quite good enough. So yeah, definitely the Bears. So now looking at the AFC North, again, a very forgettable division. We're starting off with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm giving the Bears the edge here. I'm not a huge Steelers fan by any means. Nah, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I agree with you 100% there. And then we have the Cincinnati Bengals, again, giving it to the Bears. Obviously, I'm excited to see Joe Burrow. But again, rookie quarterback, um, you know, doesn't have a whole bunch of weapons around him. Obviously, is A.J. Green aging, uh, also consistently pretty injured. And then he has Joe Mixon, who I am a big fan of. Uh, but the defense is still nothing really special. Um, and I just ultimately think that the Bengals are probably going to have uh, uh, not a maybe an average year at best uh, with their rookie quarterback. Yeah, I think Joe Burrow is going to help a lot, but he is not the uh, fix-all solution for that team. So I'll definitely, definitely see the Bears. So now we have the Baltimore Ravens, who have put together two pretty impressive seasons uh, this past year. Um, i got to be honest, I'm not as high on Lamar Jackson as a lot of people are. Um, I think that his skill set will ultimately probably limit the team's uh, possibility of winning this Super Bowl, and I think that he's going to be a little bit more figured out this next coming season. People kind of talk about him uh, as someone who's just as good as Patrick Mahomes, and I completely disagree with that. Um, I think that Patrick Mahomes is still pretty substantially better than Lamar Jackson. I still obviously would rather have him on the team than any other quarterback that we have on our roster currently. But ultimately, not a huge Lamar Jackson fan, but I'm still going to give the edge to the Ravens this year. Yeah, I'm definitely going to give it to the Ravens. I think, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson, yeah, that style of play. I think what uh, concerns me most is kind of similar to RG3 is the durability aspect of it. Um, 
you know, I think teams are going to be able to figure out. I think it's going to be tougher, tough sledding for the Ravens in the playoffs, but with this play style, they're always going to do pretty well in the regular season, so I'll give the edge to the Ravens. And then we have the Cleveland Browns, who once again went through a coaching staff change and is... Uh, no way. Yeah, yeah. Who would have guessed <laughs> they went through a coaching staff change? I'm going to give it to the Bears. I'm not a Baker Mayfield fan. Um, some people try to pretend like Baker Mayfield is better than, you know, Mitchell Trubisky, which I just completely disagree with. I think he's you know, at best, probably an average quarterback, so. Yeah, they're comparable in some ways. I think Trubisky has proved a lot more. Um, I'll definitely give this to the Bears, I think. You know, the Browns, of course, they have OBJ, but, man, you know, it's the Browns. (laughs) Yeah, and OBJ hasn't even played that well this past season. Same with Jarvis Landry. Uh, So let's go ahead and move down to the AFC South. Starting off with the Colts. Call me crazy, I don't plan on – Philip Rivers having this, you know, MVP season like it seems like a lot of Colts fans believe in. I think the Bears are better than the Colts. Yeah, yeah I, agree. I agree. Then we move down to the Houston Texans, whose biggest uh, notable move this past offseason was actually a subtraction of DeAndre Hopkins. Um, they're getting back J.J. Watt, of course, and then also, um, but he, he is he is getting older. Um, not a fan of the Texans either. I, I can't say that I'm a huge fan of the Texans. Uh, Deshaun Watson's pretty much doing this entire thing by himself. It seems like the team is actively trying to work against him. I think that if the Bears and Texans were to play, um, that the Bears would win. Yeah, I agree. I think Deshaun Watson uh, is a great quarterback, but it's interesting that it seems like they should be building up instead of subtracting and they're going the wrong way, so... I'll give the Bears the edge of that. I mean, they can only cut so many more vital players and actually still be a legitimate contender. So, And then we have the Jaguars, who have, you know, their yeah. star quarterback right now and Gardner Minshew, which, you know, was a fun storyline this past year, but not one, not a quarterback that I would like to be building my NFL franchise around. I think ultimately they're going to end up drafting another quarterback this coming season. So, uh, yeah, I think the, the Bears are better than the Jaguars. Yeah, I agree. There's just, uh, you know, Jaguars have a couple intriguing pieces, but nothing that can turn that team around. So definitely the Bears. And then we have the Titans, who had a pretty good season this past year, surprisingly. I think a lot of people were kind of counting them to kind of regress, kind of uh, the mold that the Bears are trying to, you know, fit this next coming year, bringing in a quarterback who isn't, you know, considered top tier, but still succeeding because he's a good scheme fit. And, uh, you have a good defense and, and hopefully an improved running game. Um, I still I'm I still am not a huge fan of the Titans, and I would be hard pressed to believe that they'd repeat what they did last year. I don't think they'll be able to repeat it. I think the teams need to find a solution for Derrick Henry, and you know I don't know how uh, if teams are really ready to make that adjustment or not. Man, this is a tough one. This is one of the toughest ones to call, in my opinion, because I just don't know how much worse the Titans are going to get. I'm just not a big fan of the AFC South in general, so I'll say the Bears. I think the AFC South, year in, year out, is one of the worst divisions in football. There we go. Okay, so then we move to the AFC West, which, you know, it's it's really the best division in the AFC, in my opinion, and it has been for the past couple of years, even though the Broncos haven't had, you know, a spectacular play. Um, they still have the Chiefs and, you know, the Raiders are improving and, you know, the Chargers have been good these past, you know, maybe not last year, but the past couple of years. Um, lots of changes in this division, but ultimately probably a net positive. 
let's go ahead and start off with the Denver Broncos, Reese. I'm going to have you um, go ahead and start off here. Yeah, Denver Broncos. Interesting one to call. Um, you know, still not that stability. I, I think that we are going to see Paxton. Wait, Paxton Lynch? No. No, no bro. Come on. Uh, well, you sorry, know it. I'm blinking on Drew Locke, man. Drew, Drew Locke. <laughs> hey, man. I, my mind was like in 2017 there. No, you're thinking man. about the other first round draft bust. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Drew Lock was no, no. Well, the first round. Yeah, yeah. But I was talking about a first round draft bust out of Memphis, uh, Paxton Lynch. But I was forgetting about the other guy who was uh, famous for mouthing to a Jeezy song on the and uh, when he was sitting on the bench. I know that was Drew Lock, bro. Yeah, yeah. I know that's a Drew Lock. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I was just blanking on his name, but um, yeah, I know the. <laughs> The Bears are definitely better than them. I think that uh, Vic Fangio is, you know, doing well with their defense. There, and they've always had a strong defense. The problem is with the offense. Philip Lindsay disappointed me a lot in my fantasy team last year. So definitely the Bears. You know, I think it's a little closer than you might make it out to be. For me, uh, adding the addition of uh, Jerry Judy, I think that's going to be a huge move there. Uh, they added the uh, they added Alberto, the tight end from Missouri, who's extremely fast, ran one of the fastest 40 times for a tight end. Um, just a lot of really talented offensive pieces they added here. They added Melvin Gordon, um, you know, who had a down year Gosh. last year. Yeah, <laughs> had a down year last year, but you know, probably better than anything they had there currently. Still, though, I'm going to side with the Bears. Um, just like I'm not a huge fan of Drew Lock. I never was a huge fan of Drew Lock. I think that, you know, he's got the arm strength. He can make certain throws. I don't know if he's necessarily got, you know, the confidence you need at that position. And I also don't know if he has the consistency at that position either. I would rather bet on Nick Foles or Mitchell Trubisky to turn out than Drew Locke. And thus, that's why I'm going ahead and picking the Bears there. Next, we go into the... whoa, 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 let me say something about the Denver Broncos real quick. They're like the bad Bears teams of the past where they had the whatever knack or ability to have good teams just play really bad football against them. And it's not because they're a good team. It's just because, I don't know, teams just like really sleep on Denver. They just come out and play Denver bad. It could be that home field advantage. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The altitude. But I feel like Den- Denver gets gets the benefit of playing a lot of close games they really don't deserve to be in. That's all I'm going to say. That, no, that is, a very, that is a very good point you make there. Next, we're going to the L.A. Chargers, a team that went through uh, a lot of moves this past season, bringing in, you know, Justin Herbert um, and then also having him, him being in a uh, QB competition right now with uh, shoot, Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor. Yes. Um, uh, Reese, why don't you go ahead and start this off because we know that you are born a Chargers fan, a convert <laughs> Bears fan right now. Yeah, I mean uh... – Man, this LA Chargers team—they're not—they're not that good. Uh, that obviously, I think Herbert is a is a future play. We'll see what happens there. I don't think he's going to play amazing this year if he gets the chance to start. Good wide receivers, of course. Keenan Allen, I think, is uh, consistently slept on. He wouldn't be so slept on if he could stay healthy. Um, defense isn't bad. They got a lot of good uh, D backs, of course. Joey Bosa finally locked him down on a long term contract. Was the best thing they did all off season. So uh, I think the Bears are definitely better than them, though. And the fact that the Chargers beat them last year was just because the Bears played one of the worst games of the season. So, 
Yeah, no, I would agree with you. I think that, you know, Herbert obviously has shown a lot of talent. We talked prior to the draft about his comparisons a little bit with Mitchell Trubisky and how he kind of has he, – he may – he has some growing that he's going to need to do. But at the end of the day, he has a very high ceiling uh, for an NFL quarterback. So, um, ultimately, I think, yeah, future move. Uh, the Chargers are betting to maybe take a little bit. Maybe actually, it's probably going to be a, about a net equal as to last year, in my opinion. Even with the losses yeah. of Philip Rivers and Melvin Gordon, just because I think that I, I do think that they made the right decisions. Though I, ha- I have to say, I think it was time to move on from Philip Rivers. Anyone who had an eye or wasn't blind could see that Philip Rivers needed to go from the Chargers, and that he is probably in the last stint of his career. Um, still have some questions about the O-line, um, some D-line questions as well as far as the uh, interior rushers there. But ultimately, I, I do think that the Chargers have a positive outlook in the future. So let's go ahead and go to the Raiders, um, a team that kind of surprised last year a bit, um, had a better season than many may have expected, and uh, you know, kind of got John Gruden on some Raiders fans' side. They won some games they probably shouldn't have won, like their game against the Bears. Obviously, they're going against Chase Daniel, but we're not going to really talk about that. I think that the Bears are still better than the Raiders. Um, I'm not—I'm just not a huge fan of the way the Raiders draft. Uh, I think they're kind of maxing out on their potential right now. Um, obviously, I, I think that Ruggs was a good pickup personally. I'm, I'm a fan of him. I was a big fan of him coming out of college. Um, but, I mean, they're, they're, I, I can't even remember. Um, Damon Arnett, the cornerback they drafted— from Ohio State, yeah. I just was not a fan of. Yeah, I mean, the Raiders are starting to draft like the Raiders teams of yesteryear. They really they love to do trait draft picks. I mean, Ruggs, I think, was a good pickup. But, man, it's just like Darius Hayward Bay. They just love to draft fast wide receivers. Arnett, they like the quarterback that they liked and saw good traits in. So we'll see how it turns out for them. It can go, you know, one or two ways. So it'll either work out very well or it's going to be a complete, you know, buff. So we'll see what happened there. Derek Carr, not bad. Um, but at the same time, I don't think the Raiders have a lot that makes them stand out from the Bears. So I'll, I'll give the Bears the edge over the Raiders. And then the Kansas City Chiefs, the game that we infamously went to last year just to see the Bears get their ass kicked. Um, you know, <laughs> I think it's a tight one. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. It, it's, it's the Chiefs, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. Only hope that the Bears have is that somehow, uh, you know, if we were to play them, the Patrick Mahomes is sick and we have a backup quarterback. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's uh, the, the Bears and the Chiefs are a little bit in a different different league right now. Uh, of course, the, the Chiefs kind of have the dream scenario. They got their long-term quarterback locked in. So definitely I'd give the Chiefs the edge. But we'll, we'll see if they can, you know, repeat a lot of the same magic that they had last year. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. That's going to be the conclusion of the show. It looks like, Reese, you have the Bears uh, at, let's see, at probably around uh, eighth in the NFL and me uh, me around the same as well. Now, it sounds kind of, it, it sounds like a like a higher uh, than, than they, they kind of should be. Um, but yeah, it does sound that way. <laughs> you know, in in cumulative terms, but when you actually look at the teams, it 
it's hard to really find a lot of teams that have more talent than this Bears team. And ultimately, I think that our rankings tend to be kind of based off of, you know, talent not getting lucky. And, you know, the Bears could have easily been in the playoffs last year. It was uh, just a lot of games, a lot of if the ball bounced a couple, uh, if the ball bounced a different way a couple of times last year, the Bears could have easily been in the playoffs. And um, with the additions that they made, it, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they end up, you know, ranking about where we're putting them at. Yeah, yeah. In, in a way, right, I, I think that the Bears should be ranked around, I don't know, more of a mid-pack team if we're doing a, a true, honest like power rankings. But at the same time, when you go team to team, like you said, the Bears have a lot of assets, a lot of talent that, you know, exceeds that of other football teams, you know. It needs to combine with the coaching and with that talent to, to really make that come to fruition. And, and hopefully it is in the case where they are, you know, in the playoffs and, you know, going up against some of these top teams that we said it would be a, a little bit tighter of a call up against. Awesome, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us once again on the podcast. And uh, we'll be coming back at you guys on Thursday. So uh, bear down, guys, and the football season is shortly coming upon us. Bear down.